It's time to talk money. Always manage, Swindle. What you do is, see, you give them all your credit card numbers, and if one of them is lucky, they'll send you a prize. It's the Financial Guys radio program with local financial experts Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas. Stop it! Stop it! Don't you realize you've just been brainwashed by corporate propaganda? And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. Lisa's a grade A moron. <laughs> Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Now, here's Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Financial Guys Network. Russ Thompson in studio, live with David DiPietro yeah. and Carl Palladino. Yep. There is so much going on. We could go on for four or five hours easily. And um, just the lunacy that's going on in Albany. That's why we got Dave in. And then we can always talk about Solar City with Carl <coughs> Palladino. That's going right down the crap. <laughs> as, as predicted. As predicted, you know? It's all Trump's fault. <coughs> oh, yeah. Everything is Trump's fault. It's all Trump's according. fault. Yeah, listen to Cuomo. <laughs> Trump, Trump is punishing New York State because it's blue. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not it at all. But anyway, got to get into a couple mm-hmm. of things real quick because uh, President Trump is coming on the radio show. Yeah, live at one one thirty. He's having a he's having a press conference. Uh, Thanks, Carl. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking to Jason when we got in. He said, "Yeah, the Secret Service hasn't been here, so I don't think he's coming to the studio." No, he's uh, having a press conference at one thirty, and my guess it's going to be about Afghanistan. Uh, finally, after uh, they say eighteen years, I think it's more like nineteen. It was uh, right after the attacks, two thousand one. We entered Afghanistan, and we've been there ever since. I mean, and prior to that, Russia was involved for, what, 11 years before they finally hightailed it out. So there's a a treaty being signed with the Taliban in the United States that troops could be coming home as early as 14 months, as as long as the Taliban abides by these things. So to me, it's good news. Anytime I hear about the troops coming home, it's like, yeah, thank God. So Mike and Glenn are at an investment conference. They will be back next week. And so in a little while, we're going to have, matter of fact, in a, in a couple of minutes, Dave Mariocker is going to call in to talk about what's going on with the stock, with the stock markets. And I really think that, um, and it's just my opinion, Dave, you can call in any time. In, in my opinion, I think the Democrats are really stirring up a frenzy. And the stock market's going crazy. I mean, it went down, what, 3,500 points this week. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. You know? The Democrats are stirring up a frenzy because the press is encouraging them, okay, to come out and uh, uh, say that Trump isn't responding fast enough. The press is, the press is igniting all this. Oh, I agree. And, and it's just terrible. It's un-American. It's just, it's, it's a... It's a farce from the word go. Yes, we're, we're confronted here by a, a, a possible pandemic, and, and uh, 
uh, our president is do is and will do everything he. He's on top can. of it from the get go. Yeah. He automatically had anybody that was coming back from China. He basically put a freeze on anybody coming from China. All U.S. citizens and everything that came home from China were immediately put into some kind of a, um, what do they call that, quarantine. And, I mean, if you think about it, there's 14,000 people that have died from the flu. 14,000. We've had no deaths in the United States whatsoever from this COVID-19. There's like 60 cases and they're all healing they're all getting better right and there's I mean, a, there's there's, a, there's approximately crazy. 20 million americans that get the flu every year 20 yeah. million i heard 130,000 in new york state have got the flu right it's the flu 14,000 people die from it i heard president trump say the other day there was this astounding factor that as many as 60,000 people anywhere between 40 and 60,000 people die every year from the flu Right. It's the flu, well, and we and nothing's going on with this coronavirus that everybody is just going absolutely berserk about. It's not here. Go back about three to four weeks and look at some of the national media, and I forget which one, but there was a, they were talking about that in about three or four weeks, which is right now. Yeah, that would uh, that we would probably have about uh, a million cases in the United States, and there'd be about. Uh, fifty thousand dead. Yeah. Okay. okay Again, there you that go. That was the scare tactic a month ago. And there's sixty okay. people that got it and right. no deaths. You know. So I think they're doing a pretty good job. And to accuse President Trump, I mean, do you hear? Did you hear Nancy Pelosi? Can't stand it. He's Everything, inept. Like, He's incompetent. Look in the mm-hmm. mirror, Nancy. Look in the mirror. If anybody is incompetent, it's her. It sucks being a the Democrat, wa- Russ, because you know what? The Every day, if you're a Democrat and the and, and a, a leftist Democrat, I should say, yeah, it's got it's got to be yeah. it's got to be torture. You get up, you're upset. Every day, there's a crisis. You're not going to even live another eleven years because of the global issue, the warming issue, whatever you want to call it. So that they're always upset. Every day is a crisis. I think how, it's how, a, how is it to live your life? Never is a day where you can take a day off and say, you know what. Things are pretty good today. Not if you're no, a Democrat. No. Every day, there's always is something a crisis. New, there's a crisis, and it's Trump's fault or it's somebody's fault, and you're always upset. That's you know, what they, they do that to you every day. It's got to be as, tough. It's got to be terrible. I mean, how can you live like that? <laughs> I can't. As long as there's a crisis going, I think it gives Congress more power. I really do. I mean, I saw a video the other day. I won't get into it right now, but it's incredible. I think I sent it to you, Carl. It's incredible the amount of power that was basically handed over through executive order before Obama got out of office yeah. to give to Congress. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as there's always some kind of a crisis, mm-hmm. that the Congress actually has more power than the President of the United States. And Trump is turning it turning it around. He's turning it around, and he's doing it the right way, and they're going crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, we could go on, but Dave Mariocker is on the phone. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hi, Russ, uh, Carl, and Dave. How are you? Good, Very Dave. Good. How you doing? Good, thank you. Can you calm the nerves of the, of the United States of America, Dave? The microphone's yours. Okay. <laughs> we go that far. Yeah, I know. But uh, Glenn and I, I, I call in quite often, and uh, yep. I really appreciate all of our listeners, and uh, it was a real rough week. But I always, you know, this is, I think, on my 26th year doing this, and 
you know, when you really, when you, when we, as we do, we manage a lot of money for a lot of different people. Some people need the money, you know, and everybody looks at it a little differently. But I'll go back just a few years. Glenn and I talked about it. I thought that uh, when uh, uh, Mr. Trump announced, I did predict his victory. And shortly, and that was very early in his uh, campaign, or just as he, after he announced, and I and I did make the the prediction the Dow would go to thirty thousand, but I I stayed and steadfastly said that it would take two terms and that he would be a great president. Gunn and I talked about this last week, and mm-hmm. that and I and I also stated that I did not like what I was seeing in the market. I saw what I refer to as almost blind blind buying into the stock market and then almost expecting stocks to continue to go up. And that is a recipe for disaster. It yeah. really is, and, and we said this last week, I told, and, and Glenn agrees, uh, that the market was overpriced, it's overbought, it was extended, and it was desperately due for a pullback. And as painful it is, as it is, it's what we needed. And to me, it was a relief. It was... It was a relief that the market got some air taken out of it. And you know, I agree with Dave. You know, every time and I'm not, I'm not a stock market guy. I got nothing invested in the stock market. But when you look at past history, you look at it that the stock market gets inflated and it's and it's got to be reset at a certain point. And it just so happens it's happening right now in co- in basically coordin- almost coordinating with this co- coronavirus. Well, we talked about that as well. Yeah. Glenn said, what do you, you know, what is it that, what do you think it is? And he mentioned the coronavirus. And I said, that's a great excuse for the market. Exactly. It's it, it, in the market will do that. It will correct. It will find a reason to go up and it'll find a reason to go down. Yeah. And I, and we talked about it last week and I said, we're going down, we're going down. And that was on Saturday. And I, I, I will say, I did not think that we would go down all in one week. Right. And, and I also, I also said that I believe President Trump will be reelected, and we will see Dow thirty thousand, but it's going to take his second term. Where is it right now, Dave? Twenty-four. Twenty. About thirty-five hundred points. You know, it's definitely over a ten percent correction in five days. So it's painful, I guess, to some people. To me, if you've been in the market a long time, you understand it can't do that. It can't have twenty and thirty and forty percent gains each year without a correction as you said a re it's resetting itself okay yeah carl just gave me an, uh, his phone and then it says the Dow jones is at twenty five thousand four oh nine. nasdaq is eight thousand five hundred and sixty seven those are still staggering numbers that's incredible though the improvements that have been made in the stock market since trump was elected president absolutely we were hovering around 17 yeah 17, five yeah we have made Terrific gains, Russ. Terrific gains, and and that's why I say you. I saw blind buying in the market. It scared me because people think, oh, let's buy stocks, put it in there, and it'll go up. It doesn't work that way. Investing is a long-term process, mm-hmm. and it takes years. And and these things are good for the market. And I and I reassure everybody, you know. And I said it last week. If you needed money, take it out, buy the car, pay the bills, do whatever you got to do. But stay diversified, and we do that. We have very diverse portfolios. We rebalance, whether it's, you know, in mutual funds or ETFs and stocks. And I noticed, I did notice this week that you, you've got a Boeing that has everything going wrong, and then you have other really good companies 
and emerging companies as well having good reports and going back up even into the the down market that we had. Hey, Dave, I got a question for you. Um, And you can't time the market, but with it going down so much, what do you recommend on when is a good time maybe to get back in and buy some when when stocks are depressed? Now. You know, is it now or, you know, I know you can't time the market, but. It's a good, it's a good question. You know, I did business with a lady started investing in around 1928, and I learned oh. a lot from her. And, and you're right. You generally cannot time the market, generally speaking. But when you watch it every day, and I'll give you an example. Microsoft got up in the 180s or so. And on Friday or on the Thursday and Friday, you start to I saw it bottoming out. Supposedly, now I'm speculating that it's bottoming at 153, 154. So if you wanted to own Microsoft, that would be a good time to say uh, start to buy your position into Microsoft at that range. But but Dave, it could roll a little farther, and then you know maybe you would buy a little bit more. But these companies pay dividends, uh, it, and it's not a, now. When the market, when you see a Microsoft and then you'll see a different company and another company and another company start to bottom and then you see higher volume coming in and, and putting a bottom in on those stocks, it could start to portend a bottom in faith. But that generally takes several weeks for that to happen. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. But it's a, Dave, it's a great question because if you're a new investor or, or if you're a manager of people's money and they just give you money, <clears throat> For a guy like me or a new investor, this is a blessing. You're like, oh, my gosh, I wanted to own that, and I wanted to own this. Or if you wanted to own a good stock fund or an ETF, you watch those things, and they'll start to form a bottoming phase. And it's, uh, to me, and, and, you know, we've talked about it so many times, it's a relief to me that we, this has happened. And, Russ, you're right, it was inflated, and it's resetting itself. Yeah. Carl, Dude, you got something? I, uh, I look at this, and I say the press is having too much fun with it right now. So the press is going to continue to scare people. I mean, as this thing grows over the next couple of weeks, uh, 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 this kind of virus comes to the states and starts spreading in some areas and whatever. Uh, they're going to take advantage of that, and they're going to continue to scare people. So I would say for those those who have exited the market right now, uh, stay out a little bit, just a little bit longer, and watch. Watch for watch for the turnaround when the press is tired of the issue, and then and then get back in, because it's it's right now it's it's a heyday for the press. They just I mean there's going to be opportunities for them to uh, exaggerate and magnify uh, different things that they're they're finding. They're sending their people all over the uh, the world to to report on distress and and and. Uh, you know the tragedies that are occurring in other places that don't have the facilities that we have or that China has. It's just, uh, and I think, you know, there's a lot of expose to come out of China yet. Okay, that they're going to, they're they're going to find out that, that in Hunan, uh, there's a biochemistry lab there yeah. that that developed this thing and it somehow it got out and and um, it's taken its toll on them. So they're going to continue lying about how many people are affected and how many people died and all that nonsense. So there's still there's still a lot of press opportunity, and I I say this in the sense that you obviously know I I despise the press as a as a group as a 
as a, uh, an it turned into a political and, force, really. And, and they, they unfortunately, it's not like when we've gone through this type of thing before, because now uh, they they editorialize. It's funny. New York Times has said that they're going to they're going to cut down on their editorials, okay? Because really, what's happened is the reporters are editorializing on the front page, yeah. and it, and it's become foolish for them to compete with the editorial page. You know, which is, you know, that's right in line with what's been going on. They didn't criticize themselves for, for editorializing on the front page. They just said it's a fact now. Yeah, we have to accept that. <laughs> so, Dave, anything else before we go? I, I would say stay the course, stay diversified. And as Dave, his question was about if you're an individual stock picker, pick out five or six names. Uh, one top holding of mine is a company by the name of Etsy. I've held that for about three years. Etsy, yeah, I know Etsy. Yeah, they reported on Thursday or Friday, and the stock was, I think, was up around $9. And so you can do those kind of things. Do your homework. Get in there and watch those companies. And in a down market like we've had, you can go shopping. And, uh, you know, as always, give us a call if you need uh, help with it. We've been doing it a long time. And thank you, guys, and have a good show. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave, thanks, for Dave. calling in. Appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Bye. All right. Take care. And after that, we got to go to a quick break. And then as soon as we get back, we'll hit it up for about five minutes, and then we'll go to President Trump. So we'll be right back, folks. Forget the extremists. It's simple. No one hunts with an assault rifle. No one needs 10 bullets to kill a deer. You're listening to The Financial Guys, Len Wiggle and Mike Lomas. To reach Glenn and Mike now, call 803-0930. Toll free at 800-616-WBEN. And cell calls are free at star 930. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> Frank knows that Cuomo's voice makes my teeth itch. And so he had to do that. During the break, we were just looking up at the text board, and apparently there has been the first death from the coronavirus in Washington State. It's according to the U- U.S. health officials. So we do have our first death in the United States, but still only 60 reported. You know, stop with the panic, people, please. Calm down. Calm down. If you can find them, if you can find a face mask that aren't a hundred dollars now. But anyway, welcome back. Financial guys are out at a uh, investment conference. They will be back next week to answer your um, financial questions. If you need to get a hold of the guys, financial guys eight three three fin guys. So quickly before we go to President Trump, I have to plug this. Emma Wiggle is involved in a competition. That's Glenn's daughter. It's a student of the year. It's a seven-week fundraising campaign that lasts from January 19th to March 10th. Their team, the Wiggles, are working hard to hit their goal of 65000 So far, they hit, they've hit about 30000 They're asking for your support in, by making a generous donation to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. You can make a donation through their website, thefinancialguys.com, about halfway down the page. With your donations, she has raised $30,000 so far. Carl has graciously put out a challenge for $2,000. 
So anybody that donates today during the show or basically any time after this because it's coming to a close, Carl will match donations up to $2,000. All donations are greatly appreciated and are tax-deductible. They will only support LLS-funded research, but will help provide critical information and support for the patients, support advocacy laws to ensure patients can access care and treatment that they need. LLS has pumped in over $1.2 billion in the cancer research in the last decade. Over 40,000, over 40% of the cancer treatments and drugs have come from the LLS-funded research. So Emma, God love her, she started this, and they're doing a phenomenal job with the help of Glenn, the listeners, and everybody affiliated. So go to thefinancialguys.com. Scroll down about halfway to the through the page, and you'll see it. it. It actually pops up in front of you. So if you can make a donation, Carl Palladino is going is donating up to two thousand dollars in matching funds. We really appreciate it. So Dave, before the president comes on, it's crazy in Albany. It's crazy, man. It's unbelievable. It's if anybody wants to know what's going on in Albany, just go to Dave DiPietro's Facebook page. Yeah, the assembly page, not my personal page. That's I'm full. I can't accept any more people. So go to the See, you beat page. me. I'm only a 3,500. Yeah, I'm at 5,000. Yeah, look at that. So go more to the assembly guy. page, and we, we post. And uh, the good news is, on my latest post the other day, my video was uh, that um, there's a bill, which I co-sponsored, that will prohibit New York State health officials from issuing any kind of negative permits to people under 16 years old who open up lemonade stands in front of their home. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it never ends. It never ends. Okay, we're coming up on the news break, and then as soon as President Trump starts his uh, his press conference, we're going to go to him live, and then we will come right back after that's over. Be back as soon as possible, folks. It's a write-off for that. How is it a write-off? They just write it off. <laughs> write it off what? Jerry, all these big companies, they write off everything. You don't even know what a write-off is. <laughs> do you? No, I don't. <laughs> but they do. And they're the ones writing it off. To reach Glenn and Mike now, call 803-0930. Toll free at 800-616-WBEN. And cell calls are free at star 930. Welcome back, folks. We're going to play it by ear. Um, President Trump is the boss. So as soon as we get the word that, it, that we got to go to uh, live to his press conference, we're going to cut it out. But during the break, Carl, you brought this up about this new convention center. What an insane plan. Absolutely insane. Well, I think the first thing to note is that I sat at a Buffalo Place meeting where most of the downtown developers and building owners oh, are, yeah. are uh, set. Yeah. I sat at that meeting, and I found that nobody in that room had been consulted by these consultants that were hired by the county. <clears throat> Uh, as to, you know, just to get their reactions and to possibly open the door to information that, mm -hmm. that might be helpful to them in finding uh, the site. When I discovered that, I, I called around and I asked other people if they had received any any uh, uh, 
inquiry from these people, uh, from this consultant, and they said, no, not at all. I said, it's incredible. Nobody it in City Hall. I mean, that people people were uh, never uh, asked very simple questions, okay? Uh, the guy who made the presentation as to what their plan was uh, said that one of the major factors was the opportunity to spend, and we find out later when we see the numbers, we to spend $18 million as a, as a gift to the ownership of the Statler uh, to encourage the, the restoration and redevelopment of the building. Obviously, that person hasn't, uh, that, that consultant, would, if they had asked somebody, they would have known of the rumors, okay, and, the, and there's some, some substance to it, that the facade on the building and the structural integrity of the, of the upper floors of the building, because of the, uh, when they removed a lot of the walls uh, on the upper floors of that building, uh, they took away the the balance for sway uh, uh, from the wind. Okay, and, I didn't know uh, that because that, if you remember, the building is shaped like an E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got three, uh, and the wind gets in there and gives it a push. And, oh uh, yeah, so, yeah. So the the uh, uh, the idea that the Statler redevelopment would be a major part of putting a convention center there is is really based on faulty information in my book. Uh, then I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the numbers and, and they said that this uh, 400,000 square foot convention center was going to cost, uh, well, let me, let, me, let me phrase it this way. Mm. The hard construction of 360,000 square feet uh, for a cost of 208 million out of the four, the the total project was was uh, 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 over 400 over, over 400 million. Okay, 458 million, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But but that cost is 578 dollars a square foot. Whoa. Now, just to give you comparisons, okay. Just to give you comparisons, all right. When we did our uh, uh, building at 500 Pearl. Which was, which was uh, uh, par- partially sixty-seven thousand feet was um, the Christian Center building, uh, and we built uh, uh, three hundred twenty-three thousand square feet and the tower next mm-hmm. to it. It's so, a beautiful building, you so guys for, did. For three hundred ninety thousand square feet, including three hundred eighty-two parking spaces, we built for for roughly uh, $71 million, which comes to about $179 a square foot as compared to the co- a convention center, which doesn't have all the- all the, the Bells and the, whistles. The bells and whistles and all those separate rooms ha- that have rooms to be- you know, and plumbing, improvements electric. It's just one big open space. And they're talking 578 a square foot. $578 a square foot. This is, what this is and what you're seeing is the same thing that happened with Tesla. Yeah, there you go. Okay, they came out and they said a billion dollar project for a million square feet. That's a thousand dollars a square foot. Exactly. Okay. Yep. The deal was then cut to avoid state bidding requirements. Yeah. They went and they 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 had a not for profit run by this guy Carrier Ellis. Okay, who I think they'd go to jail for it. But then this guy issues a no bid contract to mm-hmm. Simonelli. Okay, yep. Simonelli 
is not only the, the project manager, he's the, co the contractor, he's the construction uh, manager, he's the estimator, he's the final auditor of his own project. He's okay. a final auditor Nobody too. Nobody was watching out for the for the money for, of the the taxpayer. A billion money. dollars. They spent a thousand dollars a square foot. Well, obviously, a major ripoff for the taxpayer. The the you know the the foolishness of our politicians getting these numbers from an industry which is corrupted. You know, it's a major uh, corruption thing. I mean, yeah. in, in this particular case. Uh, the the number that they're paying architects and design for architects and design is uh, twenty three million dollars twenty three million dollars they have in their budget for architects and design people to design this convention center. That's insane. It is insane. <laughs> That's amazing. It is insane. Oh. It's a crime that they get away with this stuff. And and you could just, uh, you, you know, people like me, I can watch it. I've been watching it happen for years. Yeah. Uh, it's just the big game pay, played by, with taxpayer money. Pay to play. Well, you can yeah. do this. Kyle, go forward because this is, we see it in Buffalo on a small scale, not a small scale because this is obviously huge, but. Go to New York City. I'm in Albany. I watch these projects go, and with the governor and all these other corrupt politicians, it, it, this is a dime a dozen. Yeah. With the hundred, what do you think? 175 billion dollars next year is going to go. A lot of this money. It's 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 well, it's so corrupt up there. It drips off the walls. You know, I I noticed in this election or in 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 the state of New York right now. What a Cuomo, way to say Cuomo it. Cuomo comes out and he does these absolutely insane things, okay? Yeah. He indicates corruption. You get a one-day story in the Buffalo News, okay, who can't wait till he comes to the air. If you're lucky. Board, you know, for another appearance. They're just he, they're enamored with the man. Uh, uh, but there is no counter-government. On the federal level, you got the Dems, you got the Pelosi's and going after Trump constantly. Schumer. Keeping, Keeping keeping things as honest as possible. Okay, yeah, he's he's cut a lot of federal jobs, right? And they don't like it. No, they don't like they that don't at like all. It it's at their all. base. You know, I mean, I saw that just the National Security Council he cut it about in half. Okay, <gasps> yeah, but, amazing. Uh, yeah. Seventy seventy positions, seventy yeah. positions, all Obama leftovers. Yeah, yeah. they were all moles. Well, he's tra he's finally after four years learning but, but what what he what he took on, and he's he's well, you know, the, we don't have a counterbalance. No, in and you, New York no, we State don't. No, to this Democrat machine. Nope. These examples that we're looking at that this, that law that you told us uh, they just passed that the craziness, which I'm sure we'll get to in them shortly, but uh, there's there's no spokesperson for the other side. No. Okay. So I think that it's time that we did get a spokesperson, you know. Uh, in other words, that we get a counter. We're going to have to start developing a, uh, a challenge to Cuomo in a couple of years. Usually they wait till the, the year before right. Right, uh, to, to get him out. But well, he's maybe, got three years left. But, but I think we need a candidate now. Okay, I agree. Who's going to come out publicly and can can afford the the uh, time and resources okay to uh, uh to challenge cuomo i've so. been contacted by a, by a guy that's in upstate new york and i think you've talked to him and um another friend of ours has talked to him i can't i don't want to say his name but there is a guy out there that's very well known that wants to start and start right away and i said come to buffalo let's talk so 
Let's see what happens. I got his phone number. I don't know if you have his phone number. We'll get a hold of him. And, I mean, we really have to get the ball rolling. We really have to. I've been saying that for six months. I've been talking to a couple uh, county chairs uh, and and saying the same thing because we're getting retreads of the same names. that Exactly. And it's like, no, we need somebody else. We need someone who's going to fight and go up there and take on this governor because the way you're going to win is to take him directly on and, and, and expose him. I think he is as vulnerable now as yeah. he's yes. ever been. He's oh, I agree. His shelf life is over. Stuff. He's signing on to everything these New York yep. teams want. And, uh, I got a and list of things us. that have been popping up all about Cuomo and the lunacy of what's going on. He wants $40, $40 million to fight coronavirus. Really? I mean, can you justify forty million dollars? Is there a crisis in New York State right now? I think I think when he, when he came out and he said that that uh, uh, he was challenging the federal government's right to that's funny deny us a nexus thing. He came out blasting, okay, mm-hmm. saying that oh my God, they're interfering with our green law, okay, and and that's that's. Would that's you like to be a fly on the wall? And, so, and, and and then somebody must have said to him. You better watch yourself, Governor, because you're defending okay illegal immigrants exactly. that you have. I mean, that's it's not a, a good position that you took on that. So what did he do? He's got it down to right now, okay, in his negotiation with the feds, that he's not going to turn over the Social Security yep. number, which they already have. Yeah. Okay? yeah. <laughs> if the guy has a Social Security, I mean, they, they're not supposed to be able to get a Social Security number. All right. But he's got it down to, they can have everything else, but that, not the Social Security number. Trying to save some face for himself, okay? Yeah. But I think he, he, he I think his, his handlers told him, uh, you know, you're out there on a really dumb issue. You think he actually has handlers, or you think he does everything on his own? Well, he's, he's got people that, that uh, give advise him, him suggestions, yeah. yeah. But they're not, the, they're not the type of people that we would sit and have. I, I want to see, see a verbal attack from Trump onto, onto Cuomo. Yeah. I really do. I mean, there's so much going on that really needs a federal government intervention. You know, and and the green, the what's it, the green light law, the... The illegals getting driver's license is just unbelievable. And to shut everybody down from applying for the Nexus passes, it's like, well, and he's blaming well, Trump for it. See, Look at the mirror. There's very little interest in, in that, okay, in New York City, because the great majority of people in New York City have no reason to have a Nexus yeah. pass or a global uh, uh, pass. We yep. up here, a great part of our upstate population, well, our Buffalo area, Western New York population, goes to Canada regularly, and we yeah. need, we need those cards. It shows you the little regard that he has for, for upstate Western New York and West New York okay, yeah. to to take that position. Which no, he doesn't lose anything in New York City, but he. You know, he do, and he doesn't care about losing Western New York. Well, they, as long as he's got New York City, he doesn't care about the rest of the state, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, right, and they and, and people always ask, well, well, why does he? Why do we always and our our end of the state, the rest? Of, why do they pander to the illegals so much? Well, because in New York City, there's about two million of them. Yeah, and the way they do these districts, I have about a hundred. It's supposed to be about 135,000 for assembly people like myself. Right. You go to New York City, they're more like 119, 125. Why are they less? Because a, they create more districts, but b, a lot of their districts are some districts that have 30 to 40 percent illegals, and they vote. 
So they they have to pander to their to to their constituents. It's 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 a crazy dichotomy down there. It's totally different. That's why we have to split the state. Absolutely, I agree with split you. Split the Let, state. Let's take a quick break and we come back. I want to talk a little bit more about that, Dave. And of course, as soon as President Trump comes on, we're going live right to him. Be right back. Financial guys. To reach Glenn and Mike now, call 803-0930. Toll free at 800 616 WBEN. And cell calls are free at Star 930. Now, here's Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas. Okay, folks, we're back. We only got about uh, maybe 30 seconds before we got to cut back out and uh and go to President Trump. So all we can do is hang in there. And then uh, as much as I've wanted to be able to do this, I would want it. And now President, the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Wouldn't it be fun? Carl, is he going to come back? <laughs> we got about 10 seconds. I, 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 meant, I meant when we were talking a, a few minutes ago about, about the government waste, I meant to point out, okay, that – the paper announced that Amazon is going to build in Syracuse a 3.8 million square foot. Oh, okay. okay. I guess it's time. Here's the president. Oh, we'll go to this. Ryan Clark. Coming on the air right now to hear from President Trump at the White House, where he will provide another update on the novel coronavirus. We've just learned of the first death in the United States. It's in King County, Washington, the Seattle area. It'll be the second time in four days that President Trump has taken the podium at the White House briefing room to update the nation on the coronavirus. I'm Brian Clark with ABC News. I'm also joined by my colleague Alex Stone, who's on the West Coast. Alex, what do we know about that death? Well, Brian, we don't know a lot at this point. Washington's Department of Public Health reporting one death from coronavirus. In Alex, King I'll County, stop you the right Seattle there. Uh, President Trump at the podium right now. Congratulate all of those incredible people that have worked for so long on our endless war in Afghanistan, 19 years, going on 20 years, and there hasn't been a moment like this. We've had uh, very successful negotiations. We think they'll be successful in the end. The other side's tired of war. Everybody's tired of war. That's been a particularly long and gruesome one. And I want to congratulate President Ghani and the people of Afghanistan. I want to remember all of the people, all of the great, great men and women that have lost their lives in the war, and to their parents and wives and husbands and families brothers and sisters. Uh, it's a great, great people. Many lives over such a long period of time have been lost. I want to thank our wounded warriors, people that are still bearing pain and all of the problems that they've had to go through. And, uh, they're incredible people, incredible spirit. I'd go to Walter Reed and see them so often, and the spirit they had, they wanted to go back. Despite their wounds, they always said, I want to go back. Uh, 
wounded warriors. They're incredible people. I guess most of all, I want to thank all of the people in the United States for uh, having spent so much in terms of blood, in terms of treasure and treasury, uh, the money that has been spent, the lives that have been lost. And we just signed an agreement that puts us in a position to get it done, bring us down to in the vicinity of 8,000 troops. The United Nations was uh, informed of everything, and NATO has been uh, great. Secretary Stoltenberg has been fantastic. And I want to thank uh, the United Nations for the help they gave, and I also want to thank and congratulate Secretary Stoltenberg of NATO. 29 countries involved, and all approving, all very happy with what's going on. Uh, I want to also thank and congratulate Secretary of State Pompeo and Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. And I'll be meeting personally with Taliban leaders in the not-too-distant future. And we'll be very much hoping that they will be doing what they say they're going to be doing. They will be killing terrorists. They will be killing some very bad people. They will keep that fight going. We've had tremendous success in Afghanistan in the killing of terrorists, but it's time, after all these years, to go and to bring our people back home. We want to bring our people back home. And uh, again, it's been it's been a long journey in Afghanistan, in particular. It's been a very long journey. It's been a it's been a hard journey for everybody. We're very largely a law enforcement group, and that's not what our soldiers are all about. They're fighters. They're the greatest fighters in the world. As you know, we've destroyed in Syria and Iraq 100 percent of the ISIS caliphate. 100 percent. We have thousands of prisoners. We've killed ISIS fighters by the thousands. And likewise in Afghanistan. But now it's time for somebody else to do that work, and that'll be the Taliban. And it could be surrounding countries. There are many countries that surround Afghanistan that can help. We're 8,000 miles away. So we'll be bringing it down to 8,000 to approximately 8,600 in that vicinity. And then we'll make our final decision uh, some point in the fairly near future. But this was a uh, very uh, spirited agreement. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of everything. They've been trying to get this for many years. And just it's time. So I just want to thank everybody. I want to congratulate everybody. Uh, I really believe the Taliban wants to do something to show that we're not all wasting time. If bad things happen, we'll go back. I let the people know we'll go back, and we'll go back so fast, and we'll go back with a force like nobody's ever seen. And I don't think that will be necessary. I hope it's not necessary. 
And uh, so I just wanted to bring that up before we begin on a topic that has become very, very important to everybody. First of all, the amount of work that these professionals behind me and many other professionals in many rooms behind us who are watching right now don't have the room here to bring them all in, but they have been working round the clock so hard on the coronavirus. Uh, it's a uh, it's a tough one, but a lot of progress has been made. I want to provide an update to our people, to our citizens, to the world, frankly, on our action to address the coronavirus and those that have been uh, hurt badly by it. At this moment, we have 22 patients in the United States currently that have coronavirus. Unfortunately, one person passed away overnight. She was a wonderful woman, a medically high-risk patient in her late 50s. Uh, four others are very ill. Thankfully, 15 are either recovered fully or they're well on their way to recovery. And in all cases, they've been let go in their home. Additional cases in the United States are likely, but healthy individuals should be able to fully recover. And we think that will be a statement that we can make with great surety now that we've gotten familiar with this problem. They should be able to recover should they contract the virus. So healthy people, if you're healthy, uh, you will probably uh, go through a process and, and you'll be fine. Since the early stages of the foreign outbreak, my administration has taken the most aggressive action in modern history to confront the spread of this disease. We move very early. That was one of the decisions we made uh, that really turned out to be a, a, a lifesaver, in a sense, big lifesaver. Uh, on January 31st, I imposed travel restrictions on foreign nations who had — and anybody that had been to China or people coming out of China. And I want to say that China seems to be making tremendous progress. Uh, their numbers are way down. And uh, if you read, Tim Cook of Apple said that uh, they're now in full operation again in China. Their numbers are way down. Experts now agree that the decision to move so quickly, despite a lot of opposition on that decision, was uh, a wise one. It greatly slowed the spread of the virus to the United States, and it really uh, gave us time to do some of the critical moves that we've done. And it allowed these great professionals to get together and figure it all out. And we think they've done that. Uh, we've taken the most aggressive uh, actions to confront the coronavirus. And they are the most aggressive taken by any country. And we're the number one travel destination anywhere in the world, yet we have far fewer cases of the disease than even countries with much less travel or a much smaller population. As an important part of our efforts, on Monday, I'll be meeting with the 
largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, actually. They'll be coming to the White House, and we're talking about a vaccine and developing very quickly, and they've already started working on it, developing very rapidly a vaccine for the virus, to combat the virus. And we're having very good initial uh, feedback. But the these companies will be coming to the White House on, on Monday. Uh, tremendous amounts of supplies uh, are already on hand. We have 43 million masks, just far more than anyone would have assumed we could have had so quickly. And a lot more are coming. Today, the White House Coronavirus Task Force, led by Vice President Mike Pence, uh, they met for two and a half hours. I spent a lot of uh, that time with them also, and we came up with some uh, ideas, recommendations, and frankly, some pretty strict edicts that we're going to be going by, and Mike's going to be discussing that. Uh, but we are really having a group of people that is so talented, and they're working round the clock. And for that reason, I really would wish that uh, we could really — that we could report uh, exactly what's happened, how — how well we're doing under quite adverse circumstances. Uh, but we're doing really well, very, very professionally handled. Our country is prepared for any circumstance. We hope it's not going to be a major circumstance. It'll be a smaller circumstance. But whatever the circumstance is, we're prepared. And I'd like to just ask and uh, caution that the media, we would respectfully ask the media and politicians and everybody else involved not do anything to incite a panic, because there's no reason to panic at all. Uh, this is something that is being handled professionally. I also want to thank, by the way, uh, governors and representatives of our various states, in some cases, uh, some more than others, because they've really been working very hard uh, in areas where we've seen indication of the virus. But I want to thank the governors and all of the representatives from all of our states, uh, the, the rooms they've made available, the speed with which they've worked has really been incredible. So, uh, again, thank you to everybody. I'm going to ask Mike Pence now to discuss a little bit about travel. And uh, uh, we have some restrictions on some travel from other countries that are having a hard time. And I want to thank everybody. We'll take some questions as soon as we're finished. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, let me begin, uh, as the President did, by expressing our deepest condolences to the family of the woman in uh, Washington State who's lost her life to the coronavirus. I want to assure that family that they're on the hearts of every American uh, and those that are continuing to struggle, um, in some cases in ICU units, can be assured of the prayers of millions of Americans. From the moment that this country learned of the spread of the coronavirus, President Donald Trump took decisive action established the White House Coronavirus uh, Task Force. And as the President just described, the President took unprecedented action to suspend all travel into the United States from China. 
simply had never been done before by any previous administration. Um, and uh, it is among the reasons why the threat uh, to Americans of coronavirus remains low, despite today's tragic news from Washington State. Uh, the task force met this morning um, and brought the president a range of options. And uh, uh, at his direction, we will be doing the following. Um, first, the president authorized action today uh, to add additional travel restrictions uh, on Iran. We will be using uh, Section 212F, and banning travel from Iran. Iran is also already under a travel ban, but we are expanding existing travel restrictions to include any foreign national who has visited Iran within the last 14 days. In addition to moving uh, Iran, we are going to increase to the highest level of advisory, which is level four, advising Americans do not travel to specific regions in Italy and South Korea. Let me say again, the President today uh, has authorized the State Department to increase the travel advisory for Americans to level four. Uh, we are urging Americans to not travel to the areas in Italy and the areas in South Korea that are most affected by the coronavirus. The President's also directed the State Department uh, to work with our allies in Italy and in South Korea to coordinate a screening, a medical screening, in their countries of any individuals that are coming in to the United States of America. And we look forward to working with them in a collaborative uh, and a cooperative way. Now, with regard to the task force, I'm just a few days into this job. But I can tell you, having spent time with these extraordinary professionals that the President just alluded to, uh, having spoken directly to more than a dozen governors, including Governor Jay Inslee this morning in Washington State, uh, I, I, am, I think every American would be proud to know what I've heard about the work of HHS, the work of CDC, the work of all of our agencies. At the President's direction, this team has been working seamlessly with health officials at the state and local level. And I can assure the American public that we will continue to live out the President's admonition a few days ago that we're all in this together. And as we work with members of Congress, I've had the opportunity to speak with Republican and Democrat leadership in the Congress. Uh, we'll be working very closely on a supplemental funding bill to make sure that not only do all these agencies have the resources that they require, uh, but we'll also make sure uh, that, uh, that state and local health officials uh, have the resources and the reimbursement to take such actions that are necessary to protect the health of the American people. Uh, the President mentioned masks. Uh, this morning we talked a great deal <clears throat> about additional medical supplies. Let me be very clear, and I'm sure the physicians who are up here will reflect this as well. The average American does not need to go out and buy a mask. But this administration is going to always put first our patients first, and second, we're going to make sure and protect the health of our health care providers. As the President said, we have more than 40 million masks available today. Uh, we've contracted now with, uh, with 3M to 35 million more masks per month will be produced, and we're also going to be working with other manufacturers. In addition to that, 
uh, the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response will be announcing today uh, courses of action to increase the availability uh, of masks, uh, as well as prioritizing availability to high-risk health care workers, modifying guidance, and developing a whole-of-nations communications plan. Uh, the President wants us to be certain that our health care providers have the support they need to do their job and to do their job uh, safely. Uh, with that, I'm going to yield the podium uh, uh, to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and then we'll hear from some of our medical experts. But, but let me assure every American that President Trump's direction, this is an all-hands-on-deck effort. Um, and uh, while the risks to Americans remain low, the President's actions today with regard to Iran, with regard to Italy and with South Korea, and with regard to making uh, medical supplies more available, uh, I hope gives evidence to the fact that at his direction, we're going to continue to lean into this effort and put the health and safety of the American people first. Mr. Secretary. Was Vice President Thanks, Mike Vice Pence President. from the podium at the White House. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. Joined by my colleague Alex Stone. Alex, we just heard from the president and the vice president. Seems like the big headline announced by Vice President Mike Pence. Well, first of all, the average American does not need to go out and buy. Okay, folks, we're going to cut out, cut away from that right now. A very informative press mm -hmm. conference. I thought it was really good. So we're back. We're back for the. Uh, we got about fifty minutes left in the show. Um, there was one thing that I got. Is that Ed on the line? We got uh, we got a caller. His name is Ed Ed Pettit. We're going to bring him right up. I asked Ed to give us a call because we're talking about elections as we always do, and the crucial challenge that we all have really is to get out the vote. All right. I mean, when you got one-third of gun owners in New York State that are not voting, we have a problem. And for too long now, we've been seen as a paper tiger. So Ed has just been incredible, and, and he's start, he launched a get-out-the-vote effort in Niagara County, and it's really starting to spread. Ed, are you there? I can barely hear you, Ed. Let's get, get closer to the phone. Okay, I got the phone right up to my mouth here. Can you Perfect. Got you now. Go ahead, Ed. Thanks for calling in. He's calling from Texas. Yes. Uh, basically, this idea came about a couple of years ago, and I heard David DiPietro talk about uh, what happened with the SAFE Act. You know, when that first passed, there was a lot of we had a lot of rallies in Niagara Falls, or mm -hmm. well, then, and some in Albany. But he said the problem was the gun vote didn't turn out in that following election. Right. It didn't. Or, it didn't. You're right. And I think, Dave, I think at the time you said about one in five gun owners voted. Yeah, they said about about six hundred to eight hundred thousand gun owners out of what three five million. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. numbers. Yeah. And my best my best calculations in Niagara County is one out of four gun owners actually have been voting in the past several elections, and uh, that to me is the problem. If only one out of four gun owners are voting, we can't sustain a republic with that level of voting. And uh, so we we. Uh, we started a Get Out the Gun Vote Niagara County 2020 campaign. I've been going to every single uh, conservation club and speaking to inviting people to our meetings. We're asking every conservation uh, club uh, member to come to at least one of our meetings uh, in the year. If everyone did that, just came to one of our meetings, one of our 12 meetings out of the year, we'd average over 500 people a meeting. But uh, That'd be incredible. Well, yeah. But also... And, and, and I don't even need to get into if we had 
each pistol permit holder come, because we have 35,000 pistol permit holders in our county. If every one of them came to one of our meetings, we'd average 3,000 people a meeting. Anyways, uh, the message that we're getting out there, and I, and I kind of saw this as I was going to the conservation clubs, is when you talk about the bills that are coming up in Albany, yeah, people are, are, are afraid of some of those bills. They get mad at politicians. But, you know, I come to the realization that, that uh, fear and anger aren't enough to motivate gun owners to vote. You know, those three out of four that currently aren't voting. Mm-hmm. What I think could motivate them, because I think deep down every gun owner understands responsibility and they understand duty. It's not, don't, don't vote out of emotion. Don't vote out of anger or out of fear. Vote out of duty. If David Bellavia can walk into an insurgent-filled house in Fallujah facing certain death out of duty, there's not one gun owner that that can tell me that there's no reason that they can't walk into a voting booth in November and vote for their country. I agree with you. That's I couldn't agree with you more. I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more, Ed. And it's something that ever since, and now the SAFE Act was passed, was seven years ago, I had a, a memory on Facebook that showed up of our big rally that we had in Albany just a couple of days ago. And and it just throws in our face again how important this, this is. You know, when you look down at what happened in Virginia, they had over 50,000 people that showed up in Richmond. And they basically were, they did what they needed to do. But, of course, the Democrats in Virginia that have taken over the houses are pushing gun legislation, even though they did stop one in the Senate. I think it was a confiscation thing. Now they got to wait in a year. So the importance of voting, if you value your gun rights, if you value your rights as a citizen, you got to get off, off your apathy and get out there and vote. And that's a key thing that we got. This, two, this 2020 election that's coming up, you know, everybody says it's the most important election of our life. Every time an election comes around. It is, though. It really is. It is a vote for the republic, not the democracy. We don't have a democracy. We have a constitutional representative. Republic is what we have. It is our duty to get out there and vote. It is our duty to hold the politicians accountable for each and every one of their votes. You know, people come in and say, I don't know how you do it, Russ. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult to go to a protest, to hold up a sign, to go into a politician's office, voice your disgust or voice your support. If we're going to change New York State, if we're going to try to get control of the House of Representatives... We have no choice. It is our duty. You're absolutely right, Ed. It's our duty to get to the polling station and make sure your family votes. Make sure all your friends vote. If they need a ride, give them a ride. Make yourself available on Election Day. It's crucial. Ed? Yes, I agree, Russ. And uh, one one thing that we're going to do is we're making up these orange buttons. That, you, know, you know, they're cheap, but... It says, my duty, vote 2A. Yeah. What I'd like to see is as we get up to elections, more and more of these, when you're out shopping, whatever, you start seeing these, we know we're getting the message out there. Exactly. I agree with you. Oh. Well, Ed, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. And anytime we're on the show, we'll probably have you call in, see how your effort's going, and try to get every gun group, every Second Amendment supporter out there, getting involved in getting people to vote. Because in New York State alone, we could swing, we could have swung the governor's election just simply on the, the, the Second Amendment vote. 
So when when people when I go to speak to a group, a lot of them don't like to hear it. But if you don't get up off your apathy and go to vote, then you get what you vote for. You vote for nothing. You get anti-government. You get anti-Second Amendment candidates to get elected. It's it's that simple. It's that plain and simple. No question about it. So Ed, thanks for calling in. Enjoy your time down there in Texas. Okay. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. So, Russ, I want to jump in on that about that one comment. The two million illegals, not two million, about six hundred thousand illegals in New York City. Okay. Okay, but there are very few restrictions on voting in New York City. There's very few. Not like up here. Uh, basically, they allow everyone to vote. So it's it's a. That's why there's that big push for driver's license for illegals, everything for illegals. It's 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 it, the corruption is is crazy. But that's who they pander to. That's their constituency. And then you just see the other day, um, Mickey Kearns was talking about a second person tried to register to vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the whole idea between that illegals licenses for illegals automatically register them to vote as Democrats, and then boom, they can go in and vote because. They're registered now. They're going to be on the voting roll. They kept on saying, no, that's not the intent. Yes, that's the intent. Don't try to pull the wool over my eyes. I see what's going on. You know, that, that, it's, it's the right there in front of, of us. Open borders. That's why they want to open yeah. the borders. Because if you let and, and make uh, all of a sudden allow these uh, 20 million or whatever number it is that's in the country illegally, make them automatic citizens, right? Push them to the front of the line. Well, why is that? Because that will swamp Texas and a couple other states, and we will never see a Republican again. And that this country will turn to Venezuela within a dozen years. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what they want. Especially with okay, Bernie. They're, 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 the governor even said it. The gov- these people are so transparent, but we refuse to listen to it. The governor came out now twice and said, if you're a conservative, gun owner, right to life, Leave. You're get not out. welcome. Okay, and that's what they're doing. And that's why I even call out some of the people in Western New York that uh, you, you sit there and vote for some of these people on the Democrat side. But the fact is, they're lockstep with everyone in New York City. Yeah. There's no difference between them. They never, they might sit there and say, well, I voted against this. Yeah, you might have voted against the green light law. You might have voted against the farm bill. But you've never, ever stood up on the floor and talked against anyone in your conference, against any one of those bills. You never made your opinion. You sat on your hands like a good person. And when the vote was taken, you waited till they got their 76 votes. And then you voted no to give yourself political cover. But you've never taken on anyone in your conference. You go with them lockstep barrel. And that's the problem. And these people got to be called out for it. That's why I enjoy watching you on the assembly floor. Oh. You know, go to Dave DiPietro's uh, Assemblyman's Facebook page and while he's in Albany, he gives live updates. He sits there in front of his phone. And sometimes he's extremely angry and sometimes he's happy. But most of the time in Albany, it's not, not real positive. But it's informative. Inform yourself about what's going on in Albany. Then, if you don't get up off your apathy and go after people, go after your politicians, call them, email them. Mm-hmm. Become a nuisance. Become a nuisance to your representatives. You have no choice, people. You really yeah. have no choice. You get all. You get what you vote for, and this is, and that's like you said, the gun owners. When you get what was it, seven, eight hundred thousand came out out of five million yeah. in the state. I yeah. mean, that's that's ridiculous. It's abysmal. And the number one county in the in the state with the highest up in the Adirondacks, I think it is, with the highest percentage of gun owners, uh, had the lowest voter turnout. <laughs> Couldn't get out in that that election in twenty. That's amazing. Twenty fourteen, whatever it was. It's absolutely amazing. So we're just. Uh, 
you know, it's a, you know, people say, Dave, do you have any good news? I'd like to say so, but yeah, just look around. What do you want me to, you want me to, some politicians do. You want me to go out there and tell you how, how great it is, how Western New York's just thriving. We're the second what do you, poorest. Or do you want to know the truth? Buffalo's the second poorest city in the country. It has been for a dozen years, right? Tell me where I, I'm supposed to come out and say everything's going great. Yeah. Okay, New York State's got a $175 billion budget. We're in the hole six, seven billion. It's going to be another five already. They're predicting next year. What is great about it? What do you want me to say? I can, I'll tell you where the corruption is. That's what I feel my job is up there, to tell you the truth. And some people don't like to hear the truth. You know, we've got to take a quick break. And when we get back, there's a lot more to get into. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Financial Guys. To reach Glenn and Mike now, call 803-0930, toll free at 800-616-WBEN, and cell calls are free at star 930. Hmm. Welcome back, folks. Pretty amazing what goes on during during the quick breaks. We start, I asked, I asked Dave if he wanted to talk about the bail reform bill. What a mess this is. And Cuomo's out there talking about he's got to make some changes. Then you find out that Heasty from New York City, they don't want anything going on with the bail reform bill, so they want to keep it as is or even grow it even more. Up here, we're screaming about the bail reform bill. you got to change it. you got to make reforms in it because now you got criminals going, committing crimes, getting right back out on the street again and doing the same crimes all over again, and then getting thrown in jail and getting released right away. Dave, go right ahead. I wish we could have recorded what you just said. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's a complete joke. Because up here, we know how to do bail. There's no problem right. with bail reform in Western New York. Maybe there was one person that got stuck in jail for a few days longer than they should have. Okay, but there's no uh, historical problem. Because you know why? Because we do things differently up here. We've got our, we we're under control. The judges and the police and the DAs know when someone goes gets arrested, what's going on. In New York City, with so many million people, yeah, maybe it's different and they needed it, but they should have done it for themselves. But the fact is... What they put in wasn't vetted by the police, wasn't vetted by the judges, wasn't vetted by any law enforcement. They just did it themselves, and that was the progressive left. New York City doesn't want to change any of it. Cuomo's trying to put a couple nicks of it in the budget, which aren't going to do anything. And New York City is screaming at them, saying, no, we want more. They, you know, anything that has to do with incarceration or responsibility, taking actions for when you do something stupid, they think it's abusive and racist. They do not think it's their fault. They don't take responsibility for anything. So when you get arrested, you're, you're, they think you're automatically innocent because of either your circumstance, your upbringing, whatever it is. That's why any bill in New York State, like I have, the pet registry bill, which says that if you abuse animals, the people that hang them from trees and light them on fire, your dogs yeah. and stuff, you see these cats. I said anybody who abuses animals like that should be put on a registry because it's been shown factually that a huge percentage of those people, if they're going to abuse animals, are going to abuse people. Yeah, I so, agree. So, I agree. So, but in New York City and in, in Albany, no bill that has higher incarceration or penalties will ever get through. You want a higher penalty on DWI? Ain't going to happen. You want a higher penalty on a misdemeanor? It's not going to happen. They don't believe in any stiffer penalties. That's why none of this stuff goes through. They believe that everyone should be let out. That's why they just opened up Rikers Island and let everybody out of there. They don't believe in incarceration. They think it's all inherently racist. 
and, and, and bigoted. And that's that's and so for them in this budget, they're not going to do anything. They're fighting right now with their with the governor because the governor wants to make a couple nicks to this bail reform, where people are dying from it. Yeah, and yeah. and and they're like, no way. So there's a huge fight, and they don't care about the Democrats on the outside, like uh, in uh, in in more conservative districts that are outside the city that are saying, hey, this is killing me. And they're like, we don't care. You're not from the city. Again, if you're not from New York City, you're nothing. They don't care about anything outside of New York City. So anybody, anybody up here that, that's talking about making changes, it's not going to go anywhere because oh, of all of New York City. Oh, they're smoking the crack pipe. If they're up here talking about that there's going to be changes made, if any of the Democrats in West New York are talking about what they're going to do, that, 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 that's all smoke and mirrors. Don't believe a word of it. Well, Tim Kennedy is going to change the world. Yeah, okay. Let's see it. You know, it's pretty, let's see it. What, what you're describing here is that we've evolved from a Democrat-Republican Bicameral. Balance, if you want to call it, to an upstate, downstate. Balance. Totally upstate, downstate. I mean, but Marx is driven now, too. But, but we have representatives upstate that go with the flow out of these downstate people. Totally. Tim Kennedy and, and uh, Sean Ryan, okay, these people have voted in favor of these crazy bills that have come out of these New York City people because they feel some obligation to them. It's time for these people to go. Yep. You know, it's time for Mr. Zemsky to go. All right, and I'll say right now, I'm calling for Howard Zemsky to to resign from his position because I'm going to add one more fact to what we talked about earlier about the, the convention center and Tesla. The Buffalo News announced last week that Amazon was going to come to Grand Island. Yeah, yep. As part of that article, the, the writer wrote that in Syracuse, the Amazon is going to build 3.8 million square feet of uh, warehouse space. Okay, uh, uh, same same type of uh, three levels. Okay, that they're doing here, and it's going to cost 300, dollars. Okay, to do that, or 350 million dollars to do that. Do the math. It's 92 dollars a square foot. Now. Whoever wrote that story for the Buffalo News, if he'd done that simple math, he would have said to himself, wow. Why? Why? That Tesla deal, we paid $1,000 yeah. a square foot yeah. for a warehouse, all right? There's something wrong here That's with right. these numbers. They're not that bright, okay? I don't know if it was Tom Precious or Brian Meyer or some, somebody wrote this, this, this crazy article, all right? But why don't they think a higher reporters that can do the math and and simply think about these crazy numbers that we see coming out because of the corruption? Why doesn't Howard Zemsky see this? Yeah, I all agree. right. He's the head of economic development in the state of New York. Why does why has he not been called to task? For, for this nonsense, okay, that he allows... He does to see it, Carl. He sees every part of it, and you know that. He should resign tomorrow. He's, the, he's pathetic. I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with that. That's funny. But before we go to the break, I just want to say one thing. It's pretty bad when there's more restrictions on plastic bags than there is on violent criminals. Exactly. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Financial Guys. 
To reach Glenn and Mike now, call 803-0930, toll free at 800-616-WBEN, and cell calls are free at star 930. Fog hat. Boy, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, it is. Um, we're going to go to calls, but before we go to calls, i gotta, I got to plug this again. Uh, it's, a, it's about the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Carl Palladino has got a challenge out there, and he'll match all the contributions up to $2,000. So please, Emma Wiggle, Glenn Wiggle's daughter, is involved in a competition for the Student of the Year in a seven-week fundraising campaign that lasts from the 19th of January up until basically next week, March 10th. They're working on a goal of $65,000. They're asking for your support by making a generous donation to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. You can make a donation through their website, the financialguys.com, halfway down the page. With your dono- donation, so far they've raised over $30,000. So we got a $2,000 challenge coming on this week. Carl graciously gave $2,000 in, in matching contributions. So if you can go to thefinancialguys.com and scroll about halfway down the page, you'll see the link. And if you can please help them out. It's a very good it's, effort. It's, a, it's an incredible effort. And, and Emma's a, she's a good kid to even think about doing this. No. Mm-hmm. All the donations are greatly appreciated. They're tax deductible. They will not only support LLS-funded research, but will help and provide critical information and support for patients and support advocacy for, for laws to ensure patients can access care and treatments that they needed. And again, uh, Mike and Glenn are at an investment conference. They will be back next week to talk about the stock market. On that note, we got now four callers. And we're going to bring up the first one. It's Pat, uh, who's been on hold for an hour and 26 minutes. Pat, you called you <laughs> wow. called right away, and yeah. I'm really sorry. The president kind of threw a wrench into what we were doing. Pat, you there? I am. Thank you. Thank you for calling and waiting so long. I feel like Rush Limbaugh. Patience Thanks for calling. Job. You've been on call for two hours. Thank you. Almost. Almost. But it's really important for me to speak up. I guess I got up off my apathy and decided today was the day that I needed to speak out on this. Good for you. I don't know if the citizens of our western New York area are educated and aware that Governor Cuomo wants to put wind turbines in, in Lake Erie. Yep. Without any input from... Any stakeholders in towns. And now he's coming up with uh, his new legislation that he wants to be able to come into your neighborhood without your permission and put in solar panels and put in windmills. And you, as a community, have no say in it. He's going to do what he wants to do. Hey, Pat, and did you know that one of the biggest uh, solar panels is going to be being put outside Batavia? 5,000 acres? Oh, no. Yeah, Assemblyman Hawley told me that the other night. Oh. That's his district. As taxpayers, we are paying the inefficient cost of yep. all of these these uh, uh, solar and, and windmills wind, uh, uh, type of uh, generators. We're paying that. 
as as taxpayers. It's a racket. It's it's a racket. A bunch of people got into the business and they're favored by the state. They get all kinds of subsidies from the state. It's wrong. Everybody seems to know it, but nobody again wants to do anything about it. The problem is that people like you, Pat, and people like us. All right, we're we get our opportunities to speak up and say things, okay, occasionally. But there is no balance on a state level to this Andrew Cuomo. Mm-hmm. The, the Republican Party uh, should be a balance. Unfortunately, they just uh, they don't have the money to be able to get out there and put together a group of, of researchers and analysts, okay, to come up with position papers on, on different things. Uh, we don't have a counterbalance to Cuomo. Now, on a national level, you look at you look at Nancy Pelosi and all these others, okay, they, that are criticizing Trump every day on everything he does, okay, and they keep they keep the Trump administration on the straight and narrow. We can't keep Cuomo on the straight and narrow because mm. because when it comes to voting, when it comes to speaking out. People don't have that opportunity. Just look at your Buffalo News today. There is five articles in the Buffalo News reprinted from the Washington Post and the New York Times, two absolutely progressive uh, institutions that that uh, hire people who only think in a progressive, uh, spend the taxpayers' money, raise mm-hmm. the taxes, okay, uh, vein. They, they can't get enough of that. Now, the Buffalo News was recently purchased by a Lee family out of Idaho, as I understand it. it you know, we're going to sit there and pray that these people come in and restructure the Buffalo News and fire these clowns that run the damn thing, like Mike Connolly, the editor-in-chief, who, who's lame, okay, who's a born-again uh, pr- progressive, <laughs> and, and who encourages his reporters, okay, uh, to, to uh, report the progressive uh, angle on things. Oh my God! The world's coming to an end. There's climate change. Oh my God! You know, uh, yeah. And we all sit there and say, "What's he talking about?" Yeah. All right. What are, what's wrong with these people? What gets them up in the morning? What drives this insanity that comes out of their mouths? You look at a guy like Barry Sanders, and you wonder, how did this guy get this far? I mean, there's people out there that really believe that this guy and socialism are very necessary to the future of our country. It's absolutely craziness. That's enough. I won't. That won't <laughs> okay. Pat, you still there? I'm still there. Okay. It's really crazy that we, the people of our areas, are superseded by this governor that wants to take over everything. I mean, we should have learned from Love Canal what happened. He micromanages you because he can. Mm-hmm. He's He's got that power, and everybody's afraid to speak up against him. Well, there's got to be something we can do. We cannot have these wind turbines in Lake Erie. It's just wrong. It would become a dumping ground. It will destroy our environment. We just turned the lake around from 40 years. It used to be so polluted. And now it's a viable, precious lake. And it's just wrong to turn it into a dumping ground for the profit and greed of a political gain. It's just wrong. Hey, Pat, let me ask you a question because the governor's, let's go political on this. The governor's a Democrat. Most environmentalists are Democrats. And you've got Democrats in Western New York. Where are the Democrats in Western New York fighting the governor on this? Yes, it's. 
not just a, a Democrat Republican issue. It is an environmental issue. Of course it is, but you've also got the governor is taking off the controls too, where he's on windmills and the, and the solar. He's te- he's putting in legislation that takes away any home rule and any any type of uh, negative from towns and uh, local governments to 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 fight this. So again, that is a political issue. That's a governor issue and he's and the reason he's going to get that is because the Democrats will side with him. So tell me the Democrats in Western New York that are fighting it. Uh, I'm a citizen so I don't know okay. people, uh, Democrats that are fighting it. Exactly. Exactly. Here's, here's a suggestion I can make for you, Pat. All right, it's 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 all part of being being active, and that's why I'm considered an activist. Is it's time to get on the phone, call up your assemblyman, call up your senator, call up your town councilman, call up your Erie County legislature, voice your opinions, voice your disgust, and try to get other people involved in what you want to do. I support what you're trying to do 100. percent There is no reason to put these windmills all over our countryside and in the middle of a lake so it's time to engage the politicians that are around you democrat or republican get them tell them how you feel get other people involved with you and even protest their offices that's what we do Mm -hmm. protest their offices it's time to get angry yeah pat i want to tell you also and thank you for being active because i can tell you that uh and I'll just because I've fought it because that's part of my district, okay. And I know that Senator Jacobs has, but we're both Republicans. Again, we don't have the clout. And so what I like, what what I, I just want to say, I like what you're doing because you know what I say. People say, why are you so active, Dave, or why do you call it out? And I always think of this one one uh, line which says, "If not now, when? when? And if not me, who? Do I want to push this down on someone else?" Okay, if I don't take action, who's going to? And that's that's where I get a lot of my energy from is uh, if not now, when? And if not me, who? And more people need to do that because too many of us just sit on the sidelines and we wait for, uh, we just say, well, I'm not going to get involved. And then when bad things happen, then we sit there and say, well, gee, I don't, you know, we've got to act now. We've got to be more active. And that's, I thank you for doing that go, too. Go and open your front door, Pat. And yell outside, I'm upset, <laughs> and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Patty, you on Facebook? Uh, yes, I am. Look me up on Facebook, Russ Thompson, Russ with one S, and contact me, and we'll see if we can tr- help you organize stuff, okay? All right, that's great. And with that, I just want to say, uh, my last comment, our children's future is on the line. Amen. And exactly right. We do it for our kids. Ignorant or take action. Absolutely. Take action. I'm glad Thanks, to, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for calling in and, and get a hold of me on Facebook. Okay. Thank you, Russ, and thank you, Carol. Okay. That's good. I mean, it's it a lot of times all it takes is one thing that's going to affect you that you see that you disagree with to get people involved, get people outraged. And what really bugs me is that with everything going on. Not more people are calling up and getting a hold of their representatives. That's the only way we're going to get anything done. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't. She didn't say thank you, Dave. So I think she didn't like the fact that I called out some. Democrats I think she forgot. <laughs> I think she <laughs> forgot. I think I called out because I was calling them out. No, no, yeah. I, I'm not. I wouldn't take it that way. 
We got one more quick break uh, we're going to take right now, and then we get back. We got three more calls. Going to get right to the calls, and then we're coming up at the end of the show. So we'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to The Financial Guys. This is the show where money meets politics. I'm your host today, Glenn Wiggle, here with Mike Lomas. It's time to talk money. Do you know what he's done? The gap between the rich and the poor is going down. We've got 3.6% unemployment rates. Do you know what this man is doing? The media will come out as the lapdogs, you know, kissing the butt of the Democrat Party. To reach Glenn and Mike now, call 803-0930. Okay, folks, we're back. I want to say I appreciate Pat. I appreciate her passion. And here's a, here's a couple of ones. Where's Sean Ryan on this issue? Where's Crystal Peoples on this issue? Where is Tim Kennedy on this issue? You got Chris Jacobs, a senator. He's against it. You got David DiPietro, an assemblyman that's against it, both Republicans. Where do the Democrats stand on this? Call them up. Call them out. Facebook them, message them. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you can to get a hold of these people because although they'll say, and they haven't even really spoken up about these things at all yet, they all vote the way the Democrats want them to vote. It's that easy. It's that simple. Until they start standing up on in the Assembly and in the Senate, not in a press conference that they're having in downtown Buffalo, saying that they're going to save the world, in Albany, standing up on the floor of the Senate or the Assembly, don't believe a word that comes out of their mouth. It's that simple. Honestly, it's that simple. John in Rochester, how are you, John? I heard you call in the show earlier this morning. Yeah, yeah, I talked to uh, Robert Ord, who I think is an excellent uh, senator. Yeah, Rob's a good guy. Rob's a great guy. He's a good guy. He really is. I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a, he, he would have been a good choice uh, also for Congress. But anyways, I wanted to call. We uh, you were talking about Solar City, but we've got something on a much smaller scale here. Uh, about three or four years ago, uh, Calajeros and uh, the state came in and bought a building in one of our high-end industrial parks, office parks, and uh, they're going to use it for photonics. And... Uh, Joe Biden flew in, Luis Flyer was here, it was a big deal. Well, I, all I can tell you right now is uh, the building is vacant. It just took a haircut by 50%. So, uh, <laughs> just, just, the story just keeps repeating itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends on I where mean, you go Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. They've all, everybody's got one. Yeah, it's uh, and and unfortunately, all these stories never never get enough publicity out there uh, to to direct people or direct our representatives like our Tim Kennedys and our Sean Ryan's, okay, to to actually do something about it. Howard Zemsky is corrupted. I mean, that's just it's just too bad. It's too bad that the man, okay, has allowed all this stuff to happen and put the blinders on. Because at one time he was a very successful developer. It's just sad. I mean, he knows these numbers. He knows what's going on. He should resign. Joe Biden uh, came here. 
uh, he, you mean sleepy Joe Biden? <laughs> He's running for Senate. Did you know that? Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he thought Rochester was St. Louis. He didn't know where he was. <laughs> Sorry, John. Sorry, John. Sorry. All you got to do is mention a politician's name, and usually humor follows. It's amazing what he's gotten away with with his kid, right, over in, in, in the U- Ukraine. Ukraine. You yeah. can't talk about that. He's a political contender. <laughs> you can't investigate him. <laughs> John, I always tell people, and is it's always the smell test. Reverse everything. When you watch, when I watch the news, reverse everything. Okay, so yeah. so if that was if a Republican did this, what would happen? And that will give you the balance to see whether something is fair because everything that's going on in this country and in Western New York and in New York State especially, when there's when something happens, always just do the smell test. Do the reverse. If this happened to a Republican, what would happen? Or if it's happening to a Republican, if this happened to a Democrat, what would happen? And you'll get a good answer usually. Yeah. You there? And I'll tell you, uh, you're talking about the, so, uh, the uh, windmills, turbines, and whatever. You know, I'm not against the turbines, I'm not against the solar panels, but what I am against, Carl mentioned it earlier, I'm against the subsidies they're getting, yeah. which is taking away from economic vitality of uh, fracking and natural gas and co- even coal. And that. Well, these people are very, very upset over the fact that the cost of natural gas has fallen so far. Yeah. yeah. Okay, they're upset over that. They should natural be gas is a clean burn. I mean, they're upset over the fact that their, so, the, their solar projects are becoming more and more expensive because natural gas has fallen. That's insanity. Right. It's just, it's crazy. Natural gas, except for um, water, basically, Niagara Falls, is the cleanest way to produce any energy. Mm-hmm. Most productive. But yeah. they're attacking Le- natural expensive. gas now. Now they're actually saying oh, it's yeah. not clean energy. It's, it's, I mean, these people are also out of their minds. It's well, Cuomo, Cuomo has stopped all the fracking yeah. that goes on in the entire state of New York, but, basically but us, killing the southern five tier. Casinos, yeah, okay, five casinos. Five casinos. To soak the last nickel out of the poor people okay, yeah. when they get their checks on the first of the month. It's just disgusting. And I understand that casino that's out near Rochester. John, you might know this. Del Lago. That, that place is going bankrupt. Yes, Del Lago. Yeah. Yeah, they're way off. Yeah, they're way off on their revenue. No, no doubt about it, by about forty percent, I think. Yeah, wow. they want to, they so want to, the last nickel out of the poor people. I think they want twenty. It's, I don't don't quote the exact number, but it's like they want a twenty-six million dollar bailout at the casino. Cause at losing, the casino? Yeah, they're losing money. They're going bankrupt, and they need a bailout. Where, where's they the logic to, for the state to bail out a, a private casino? I don't understand. Where's the logic? To yeah, there's no, there's no logic. You're talking it. about logic, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, what? Are you, Common sense, logic. <laughs> Anybody with common sense wouldn't have said that casinos are our economic uh, way to get out of uh, despair. Come on. Thanks, Carl, for John, John for Thanks, calling John. it. I appreciate it. Uh, we got to go to the next one. Uh, Kevin Pendleton. Hi, Kevin. Hi, hey, Kev. Hey, Kev. Yeah, yeah. Hey, good day, guys. Hey, I'm um, just been doing this quick here. Um, I, you didn't say great show. Come on. Uh, well, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, talking about voter turnout and stuff and so on, and if you can use just Erie County as an example, with over 600,000 registered voters, right? Yeah. Governor's race, um, where we see that uh, there's such a low voter turnout back then, too, and even in the primaries and so on, right? And yet I know for a fact, and you all know this too, guys, that 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of voters, uh, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and even the Libertarians voted for Larry Sharp. And you're going to tell me that between Jeremy Zellner representing the Democrats on the Board of Elections and Ralph Moore for the Republicans, that Larry Sharp only got less than 1% within the entire state? I mean, that's, that's not so realistic. And I, that's why a lot of people don't vote, because, and I said to you last time we talked about this, uh, Russ, I'm not saying have somebody on the Board of Elections for every party, but you need a third entity at the table that will be looking after the interests of the rest of us. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you, but also you shouldn't have the head of a political party that's also working at the Board of Elections, who's also control of all the uh, candidates and all the petitions, all that. How is that even possible? Cal, but we have it right here in Erie County. The Republican, you too, Dave. I mean, nobody's saying anything about this, and, and this is happening right under the current leadership of the GOP. He's a parasite. But, no, what I'm saying, though, is... Zellner? One time... Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but what I'm saying, gentlemen, the current leadership of the GOP here uh, statewide was, wasn't part of the establishment. And yet, we have seen behaviors now for, from, like their predecessors. So you're wondering why you have such a low voter turnout. This is something that needs to be addressed as far as uh, having full transparency and accountability as far as the electoral process is concerned and our Board of Elections. And by the way, I'm involved in something right now to try to change that. And you'll be hearing something in the next couple of weeks. But this is the only way you can have, uh, you know, real representation for everyone when it comes to the, you know, to, to getting good people to run for office successfully. Anyway, have a good how, how about okay, thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks for calling, Kevin. Kevin. How about if we pass a, a, a really silly law, okay, that, or if we advocate for one, that would say that if you don't, if you don't vote. You lose your driver's license. Ooh. You're suspended for three months. Okay. Ooh. You lose your right to drive if you don't. Uh, if you don't, the privilege that's extended to you to drive because it's not a right, but it's a privilege. Right. It is a privilege. And and uh, uh, I think that would be ben- a benefit to the Republican conservatives. It would get a lot of these hunters. Okay, the guys that that should be out there voting. Okay, who are apathetic to it. I could see the Buffalo News now. Carl Palladino advocates punishment for not voting. <laughs> you have to, you have to have some motivating factor to get people to do things. Okay. And, if and, people and, would only realize how motivating their their vote really is, that the politicians are scared to death of you actually getting out there mm-hmm. to vote, so they do everything that they can to suppress your vote and control your vote. So I mean, it's a, it's a. Sometimes it's a damn three-ring circus about what's going on, but really bugs me a lot, and it has been since the beginning, is that Zellner is the head of the Erie County Democrat Committee, and he also works at the Board of Election, who controls every single aspect of it. I mean, come on. Zellner should be he should be one or the other. Be he's, one or the other. He, he's certainly not a Len Lenahan. Len Lenahan was a very honorable man. I liked Len Lenahan. I really he did. did. the right thing. Lenny, Lenny always had good things to say. He always now now Zelder hates my guts. He'll tell me that. Len Lenahan, every time I saw him down the Ellicott Square building, he could walk right up and say, "Russ, how are you?" Yeah. We'd stand there and talk. Yeah. I mean, just because you're in the opposite party doesn't mean you can be you, you you stop being a human being and stop having conversations with people, and everything becomes vitriolic and angry and name calling and. It's, 
Yeah, it's it, it, it's a crazy life. It's a crazy life. We're coming to the end of the show. Sorry I couldn't get to all the calls. David, I appreciate you coming in always. Thanks, If Russ. you want to see what's going on with David DiPietro, go to his Facebook page, his Assemblyman page. Yes. Carl Palladino's got a Facebook page also on Twitter. You can go check out what they post over there. Me, I'm just on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Remember, Russ, Russ, if not now, when? And if not you, who? who? Exactly, I agree. So if you can, go to thefinancialguys.com. Make a donation to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society halfway down the page. Make Carl spend his $2,000 in donations, matching donations. Thank you, folks. See you next time around. Take care. God bless.